Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Money Girl, a podcast that helps you master your money so you can live rich and love the journey. My name is Laura Adams. I'm a personal finance expert, speaker, teacher, and award-winning author based in Austin, Texas. If you're a new listener, I want to welcome you to the Money Girl community. I've been producing this show for over eight years now. So there is a huge archive of topics to learn from. You'll find all of them on the Money Girls section at quickanddirtytips.com. Each podcast also has a companion blog post that includes links to everything that I mention in the podcast, plus lots of resources that I don't mention. You probably know that the average cable TV bill seems to go up every single year. Analysts say it's gone up 40% just since 2010, and it's likely to keep going up. So to get some expert information and tips about how to cut the cable cord and save money without sacrificing all your favorite shows, I interviewed Dennis Rostaro. Dennis runs a blog called Grounded Reason, and he also has a podcast with the same name. It's all about how to save money using technology. Now, I have to disclose that I have not cut my cable cord yet, but I'm really interested in it, and I just have started researching my options. I have to say my husband is not so interested, but I'm working on him. So no matter if you're really gung-ho to ditch cable, but maybe you're just not sure how the whole cord-cutting thing works— or you're skeptical about whether it's a good move for you, I think you'll get a lot of value from this interview. Today's show is episode number 466, called How to Cut the Cable TV Cord and Save Money. Here are some of the topics that we cover in the interview. We cover the main pros and cons of cutting your cable TV cord. We talk about setup costs to get the best TV viewing alternatives and how to watch sports after you get rid of cable. That's certainly my husband's main pushback. We talk about the best devices and streaming services to use and some of the first steps that you have to take when you're ready to save money on cable and also how much money the average person can save. Now, here's my conversation with Dennis Rostaro. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for joining me on the Money Girl podcast. Thanks for having me on your show, Laura. Give us a little background into why you got into the cable TV cord-cutting niche to begin with. We did it about three years ago. My family family did it about three years ago. And because our cable bill was nearing about $200 a month. So when you add that up, you're talking more than $2,000 a year. And we were looking into, you know, what shows that 
appeal to us. And most of them were on network, which is available for free over an antenna or over the air. I mean, Nielsen report came out last year saying that 82 of the top 100 shows are on broadcast television. So that's really like 18% of the shows that most people watch are what you're paying for. And that really didn't seem like a good value to us. So we kind of just went for it and dropped cable and we never looked back. And actually our TV viewing habits have really improved by doing this. Yeah, so interesting. I think I'm right in there with the fact that I don't watch a whole lot of shows on network TV. There's just so much good stuff on cable. There's so much good stuff on streaming services. So we'll get into that. And and I'm staring at my most recent cable bill, which was one hundred eighty dollars. So yeah, I'm I'm approaching that that yeah. two hundred mark where you were. So I'm super interested in doing this, and I, you know I want to talk a little bit about the pros and the cons, and also how do you deal with a spouse who maybe you know not so excited about cutting the cord? <laughs> yeah, but, but we had that we had that too at, at first because I threw the idea out there, and it took my wife maybe about a month to fully come around and say, and I finally convinced her when I said, look. It's not like they're going to not take us back if we decide that we don't like cutting the cord. They'll always be willing to take our money. So let's just give it a shot, cut it off for a month, and then see what happens. Yeah, I like that approach. So let's jump into kind of the main pros and cons of cutting cable. I mean, obviously, we've talked about saving money, but are there some other pros or cons that we should think about? Um, Well, on the pro side, definitely, if you go to more, because I, I mentioned the antenna, but you can catch a lot of those network shows if you don't want to deal with the hassle of the antenna with a combination of like Hulu and CBS All Access. And that only costs about $15 a month. And with that, you can actually eliminate commercials from your viewing. Oh, I love that. Right. And I know now this Nielsen number is kind of crazy. They say the average uh, American watches four and a half hours of TV a day. I personally, I don't think we ever got up to that. That math adds up to about, you know, if you're talking 15 minutes of commercials per hour, then your math's adding up to about 16 full 24-hour days a year of commercial watching. Yeah, you just got that back. That's amazing. Right. So even if you're watching like a quarter of that, you know, you're still talking about four days of commercials that you're watching for full days. So so that time is one thing that you're going to get back by cutting the cord. Love it. Now, what about the cons? Maybe as we get into more of the details here, some of the cons will become apparent. But maybe is there somebody that you think is a really good candidate to cut the cord? And is there somebody maybe who just is not going to work for this? Who, who's kind of like the best person to really jump on board with cutting the cord right away? I would say non-sports fans are probably the prime candidate because it does take a lot of research to figure out how to get your sports in. Um, because they're kind of spread across different services and, um, some, some sports you're not really due to the local market agreements with the local, uh, regional sports networks. Sometimes you're not going to be able to get to watch your local team. So that's a con definitely. Um, as for the, the, the good candidate to do it, I would say if, if a lot of your shows are on network, it's a no brainer. I mean, for the most part, you can just kind of cut it and get that money back. If you have up to like five to 10 shows you watch a year, it's still really easy to do that because to, to cut the cord because you can buy shows a la carte current season from like Amazon or iTunes. So if your sports isn't your thing, then cutting the cord is fairly easy. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that is the pushback with my husband. He is a sports guy. So it's going to take a little convincing, but I, I have a feeling he might come around. It, it definitely will uh, if you have a sports fan. Because I'm, I'm, I used to be one. And so I started, uh, you know, cutting little corners here and there. Like I, I started listening to the local baseball. Like I'm in Baltimore, so I'm an Orioles fan. Uh, listening to the Orioles on the radio. And it kind of actually brought back some nostalgia from when I was a kid. And my grandfather used to sit on the back porch listening to the O's games. So I was able to make that transition really easy because of the nostalgia factor. And uh, football, I mean, that's on network television. So NFL is no problem if you're an NFL fan. Yeah. Okay. Now, what about the equipment? I mean, if you've got, let's say, perhaps not a brand new television, is that going to be a problem? Or let's say you're in the country versus the city. Is there any limitation for where you live or perhaps the TV that you already own? They did a analog to digital changeover with the signals. um, And any TV made after 2007 should be digital. So that shouldn't be a problem for you to get over the air television. Uh, if you have a TV after 2007, uh, as for streaming, you're probably ideally you're going to want an H uh, an HDMI cable. Uh, if you don't have that, there are ways uh, around that because um, the older Roku devices they use a component hookup. You know the the yellow and red cables. They'll use those. Um, an older Xbox uh, 360 will work fine. Actually, that's when we cut the cord. We didn't even buy a streaming device. We used an old video game console that allowed us to do it. Mm, okay. What about internet speed? Is there any kind of minimum that you recommend? Well, I recommend for a family, you would probably want about 25 MIPS. Don't fall prey to cable companies trying to sell you 100 MIPS, 150 MIPS. You really don't need it. The average HD stream only really takes up about five MIPS. So if, you're, if, if, you're, if it's just you and you're only going to be watching one stream at a time, then I would suggest 10 MIPS is really enough to do this. Okay. And so tell me a little bit about the setup costs. I mean, obviously, you're, you've you got to pay for internet. So that could be, what do you think, anywhere from 30 maybe up to $50 a month, depending on where you live and the service that you've got. That's baked into most people's bundle, too. They're already paying for internet access. Exactly. When I look at my bundle, I've got $40 in there just for the internet portion. Um, so, yeah, so much of it is the TV part that I'm really not even taking advantage of. So let's talk about setup costs. If you're just like me and you're starting from nothing, now I will tell you, I do have a old Google TV, the Sony TV. I mean, this thing we bought probably a decade ago, and it's great. So it allows me to get internet on the TV. You know, I've got some some services like Amazon Prime and Netflix that I am using. But let's say I didn't even have that. If I was just really starting from scratch, what are the type of setup costs that we're talking about if you maybe need to buy some type of device or you need to sign up for a streaming service? Okay. Well, if you need a device, that will run you about $99 uh, if you want to get a Roku, like a, a, a Roku 3. A Roku 3 costs $99. You could get the 4 or the newer, but the Roku 3 will set you, set you up just fine. Um, and that's $99. Um, you know, you mentioned internet access. That's, you know, going to cost you about $50, $40 to $50 a month. Uh, aside from that, um, your streaming services, if you're prime, most people have that. And I, I tell people not to really, if you already own Prime or you own Netflix, like most people do out there, I wouldn't really factor that into the cost because you're paying for that anyway. Right. Yeah, you've got that. You've got your internet anyway. Um, Dennis, what do you think about the Roku stick? That's a little less expensive. 
Yeah, that works. That works really well. Um, I, I mean, I personally like to hardwire everything just to, you know, to eliminate any troubleshooting issues with Wi-Fi. But yes, the Roku, the Roku stick is a perfect solution for those that want to run on Wi-Fi, and that runs about uh, fifty dollars. Okay, so if somebody is totally like, what in the world is Roku? What are you even talking about? Can you try to explain it in a, in a simple way? What are you getting from this device? Sure. Basically, it's an intermediary between the internet and your television. And really, you just plug it in, you hook it up to the network, well, in, internal network, and then you hook it up to the television with an HDMI cable. Once you're all set up, it really just goes out to the internet and pulls down these streaming services uh, so you can watch those shows on your television. And there are so many other names that we hear related to TV services like Hulu, you know, you hear right. Sling, Plex, HBO Go. What, what are all of these things? How do they relate? With a cable model, you're paying, you know, you're in a contract and you're paying a fee for a lot of stuff that you don't watch. When you cut the cord, it's kind of broken out for you. So you can pretty basically pick and choose between these services. Now, the good thing about that is there's no contract. So you can also juggle services. Like if you want to buy HBO Go, that'll give you access. Um, HBO Now um, is the cord cutter version. HBO Go is the one with, with cable. So there's a difference there. You want to buy, you want to buy HBO Now. Um, once you buy that, you have the entire HBO library. You have live HBO. Um, if you're a Game of Thrones fan or, you know, another show on HBO, you can pick that service up for three months while it's on and also binge watch a bunch of back order on demand things and then just drop it. So you're able to really kind of pick and choose and control your spending that way as well. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are in France, which means Tubi is more popular than cigarettes for breakfast. It's more popular than considering iced coffee a total abomination. More popular than loving political revolutions. More popular than mer and mer somehow being different words. Tubi, it's more popular than being French. See you in there. Money Girl is sponsored by Claritin. If you're like me and you suffer from allergies, you know this time of year can be pretty rough. There's a lot of sneezing, itchy eyes, congestion, and they can really hold you back from living the life you want to live. Luckily, for those with allergies, you can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This is a product designed for serious allergy sufferers. It's got two ingredients in one pill that relieve allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double-action combo of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant relieves all the symptoms that you suffer. And what I love about Claritin D is that it starts working in as little as 30 minutes. Plus, it's non-drowsy, so you can still make the most of your day. I can take Claritin D and then get on the mic and record a podcast without being too congested. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. 
That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. So it really is a lot more about the content rather than the channel. If you figure out what the show is that you want to watch, then you kind of backtrack to figure out where you can go get it. I know you have a really neat way to to figure that out on your website. So tell listeners about that. That's a really cool resource. Basically, you go in and you type in the show name, and it'll tell you all the different services out there that will you know, give you that show. And, and really, what you mentioned is exactly the perspective that you need going into cord cutting. Because when I talk to people, they, start, they, they usually ask in terms of networks. Well, how do I watch AMC? How do I watch A&E? How do I? And I say, well, let's, let's wait a second. Are you watching A&E all day long? Are you watching AMC all day long? No, you're probably just watching a few shows on that network. So start you know, looking at the shows you're, right, you're watching and write those, write, write those shows down. Once you have that, you start to, uh, you can go out there and see what it's going to cost to get each of those shows. Um, then you can make a value judgment on which shows are really worth paying for. Once you start writing those shows down and find that they cost X amount of dollars a month, Sometimes you really don't think it's worth it. And that really tells you what, what's quality TV and what, what isn't quality TV. And you can make those choices now. You really can't do that with cable. Yeah. So really thinking about what am I willing to spend money on? And I think that's also a great way to think about, should I even be spending my time watching this show, right? If you're not willing to spend money on it, you certainly shouldn't be spending your time on it. So it, it really is a mind shift in terms of how we consume television. And and there's so much out there now that I don't think it's difficult to find, like you said, five or six quality shows. And if you're only watching an hour, maybe maybe two hours a day of TV, and believe me, if you're watching more than that, I'm going to tell you to cut back. You're watching too much TV. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so if it's only a couple hours a day at the most, I mean, you you literally just can't watch, um, you know, more than probably about five or six shows a year. So I love the fact that this kind of makes you reevaluate not only the financial aspect of it, but uh, just the time worthiness of it. So, Dennis, what do you think? How much can someone save on average per year if they make the leap and cut the cord? Well, if you take the approach that you just mentioned and you do wind up with five or six shows a year, now let's just assume that all those shows are on cable and you can't get them on network for free with an antenna. Then if you go to an iTunes or you know, an Amazon instant video, you're really, those shows will only cost you about $10 a month if you break it down over that year. And you'll get to watch the current season of all those shows. They air one day after they would air on their, their typical network. Um, so if you take that into account, $10 a month there, um, and then your internet connection, let's say the high end will probably run you about $50 a month. So then you're at $60 a month. Anything over that is kind of bonus. I mean, most people will have some kind of back catalog through Netflix or Amazon Prime, but really you're talking maybe $60, $70 a month to do this. So if you're paying $180, $200, you're, you're saving at least $100 a month. That adds up to about you know, over $1,000 a year. Yeah, I love it. And then you think about what you can do if you invested that $100 a month. And boy, I mean, this could really add up to big money oh, exactly. uh, over over years. So, all right. So let's back up. And Dennis, just give us a couple of tips to start out. If we know nothing about cutting the cord, but we're really interested in experimenting with this, what's the very first step we need to take? Well, the first step is I would just start, jot down a list of, you know, your must-watch shows. 
and then find out how much those will cost to watch. And keep in mind, you know, a lot of network shows, they'll be free over the air. So you can get an antenna and that'll save you a lot of money. Um, so that's the first step. Uh, the second step is to find yourself a decent internet connection, but don't overpay for internet. That's what a lot of the, a mistake a lot of people will make. They'll call up to get you know their internet plan, and while they have a 25 MIP or 50 MIP plan, they'll run them 40 or 50 dollars. The uh, ISP or the internet service provider is trying to get them to you know up it a bit to the 70 or 80 dollar range, which kind of makes it a bit untenable at that point. So those are those are the two main ones. The streaming apps, they come on Blu-ray players, they come on smart TVs, they come in video game consoles. If you're a family of, you know, four or five, you got three kids, uh, two, three kids, you probably have a video game console in your house somewhere. If you have an Xbox 360, you can watch all these streaming services through that. So don't go out and buy something. Maybe you've already got a capability, but if you don't, then what do we do? How do we figure out what's the best way or the best type of device to get? Well, to clarify a bit, the streaming services I mentioned, like, you know, your Amazon Instant Video, um, Amazon Prime, Netflix, you're going to, if you want to watch them on TV, then you're going to need a means to get them on that television, which would entail a device. Um, like you said, if, if you're looking to save money, then you'd probably want to go with one of the sticks, the Roku stick or, the, you know, the Amazon Fire TV stick. And they're just as good um, as their, you know, more expensive counterparts, which can be hardwired through an Ethernet cable. Uh, those run about 99 to maybe 150 depending on on which one you're going to go with. Got it. Well, this is such good information. And I think if you're if you're interested in saving money, this is just a really easy way to do it. And I think it's a, a new way to kind of reevaluate your relationship with TV at the same time. So kind of a no-brainer. Well, Dennis, tell people where they can go to find out more about you and get more tips to make this happen. On my blog, I expand on all of the things we talked about today, and that's at groundedreason.com. Um, and we also have a weekly podcast that we do, which covers uh, all this stuff as well in audio. If you don't want to spend your time reading around the blog, a lot of the main tips you can pick up from the podcast. Awesome. Dennis, thank you so much for sharing all your tips. This is great info. And I want to hear from the listeners. If you guys try this and you find that you're saving money, let us know. Thanks for having me, Laura. I hope you enjoyed this interview. A big takeaway for me is that there are many alternatives to cable TV, and cutting the cord really doesn't have to be that scary. As Dennis mentioned, you can always go back if it doesn't work out the way you hoped. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to share it with a friend or a family member, and also subscribe so you get every episode the moment it's released. It's free to subscribe on apps of your choice like iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're on Android, you may try out Podcast Addict or Beyond Pod. Money Girl is also on the Spotify mobile app. To keep the money conversation going with a terrific community, I want you to join my private Facebook group called Dominate Your Dollars. There's a lot of great stuff happening there. To request your invitation, visit Dominate Your Dollars on Facebook, or you can send me a text message right now for immediate access. Just text DOLLARS, D-O-L-L-A-R-S. Just text that word to the number 33444. I hope to see you in the group. You can also visit lauradadams.com to email me your money question or visit my recommended tools page. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week, courtesy of Money Girl, your guide to a richer life. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. 
to move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.